Good morning, folks. It's definitely morning in my part of the world. I have my cup of go juice. Getting down to the end of it. I was going to make another, but if you guys watch my show, you probably see that I need to duck off if I have too many coffees before I get started. Big shout out to Summer Cable, Easy Guitars, and Chicken Picks for sponsoring the show. I got a goodie today, and I saw somebody floating around my front door out there, and yeah, ring the doorbell, mate. Oh, who's that? Come on in. It's Mr. Daniel Champagne. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Rick. How you doing? I am going exceptionally well. Now, uh, you are in Gosford. We had a little chat before when I threw a quick um, shout out on my Facebook user group that you're in Gosford working on an album. That's a really nice part of the world, man, Gosford. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm from the south coast of New South Wales near Bega. So oh, cool. It's starting to feel like summer as I drive north. I've been working on the album in Sydney and just kind of came up here for a day off in between sessions. Nice one. And you say you're working on the album. Are you at a particular studio or are you doing the home recording thing? Yeah, a good friend of mine has just taken over the lease on Glebe Studios uh, just off Glebe Point Road there. And um, we're just doing four days this week. So we're two days in and trying to get down the majority of 10 songs, which as you know, is that's quite a big, big mission. And yep. I find it really like intense and tiring, um, but we're doing well so far. Nice one. Nice one. Well, Daniel, as I said to you before, man, um, I hadn't heard of you, but I went to a, a, a political fundraiser of all things. Um, and they had this little stage set up in the corner and I, I was there with a mate and people that were into the, the politics and all that, which I most definitely am not. Um, we're all sort of smoozing, and me and my friend, who also played guitar, were just going, oh my God, how's this guy playing in the corner? I've never seen anything like this in my life. You know, doing all the percussive and two-handed tapping thing and singing these great songs, uh, and that happened to be you. And then about a week later, I was uh, looking on the Truefire uh, website for instructional stuff. If anybody's not aware of Truefire, it's a great uh, learning site, paid subscription, and I saw that you had some um, learning material on there as well. And it's like, i got to track this guy down and, and get him onto the show. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's always great to, great to talk about music. Awesome. So, Daniel, I'm going to start where I usually start with people, and that's asking you, what started the love affair with the guitar? Well, my first memory of anything was in the background, sorry, in the backyard in Melbourne where I was born. And my dad was rehearsing with his covers band and he was the guitar player in that band. And so I would have been about four and a half at that point and I've still got that memory in my head and just seeing the guitar and thinking that looks like fun. I'd like to try it one day. And I guess from there it just, um, I'd start picking up, picking it up and pretending to play around the house. And eventually I got, got some lessons a few years later. Cool. And did your dad show, uh, teach you to play at all? I think he initially taught me my first few chords. Um, he's more of a sort of strummer, singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah. And then I got, I got really lucky with great teachers early on that I sort of had throughout my childhood and teenage years. Cool, cool. And what type of guitar did he have? He had, he had like a Samic acoustic electric thing. He still got it. I haven't seen any others or anything like it. Um, but it was just like... It wasn't a super serious band. They were just having fun outside their day jobs. And yeah, it's kind of like some sunburst 
sort of thinner, hollow, hollow body stomach. Cool, cool. And so I guess that means you've always had guitars around since you're a little kid. You know, I, I had guitars uh, at home. My dad had one. He couldn't play it. But I can just remember the being an acoustic guitar and being fascinated with it, going plucking on the strings. And I remember as a kid, in my kid mind, when when I plucked the string and looked at it, it looked like the string came apart. I don't know if that right. makes sense to you. Like just that that quick vibration, and I was like, it comes apart. And I would try and stick things in between it while it came apart, not oh, knowing yeah. that it was just my vision. <laughs> and yeah, just messing around with it. Somebody came over to tune it up so that I could possibly learn something and they tuned it way too high and this was just a, a, an acoustic guitar and poof, the whole thing just imploded. <laughs> so I don't know how high. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the end of my guitar career right up until high school when you had to learn to play guitar and that kicked it along for me. But you said you, you went and got lessons. What kind of things were you learning in the beginning? Mostly just chords to pop popular songs. Um, my first teacher was probably, I was six years old, seven years old, and and he was just teaching me, I can't remember the song specifically, but you know, you'd start off with three or four chords and play as many songs as you can in those, and then you'd learn a few new ones and play extra songs. And um, yeah, that, that kind of went on for a few years of just trying to play chords and then doing a lot of campfire sessions with my dad and his friends and trying to, trying to keep up and probably you know, the end of primary school, I started learning more, you know, riffs, Blackbird, Tears in Heaven, those those sorts of things. Cool, cool. And um, so you, you play a lot with uh, open tunings. Is that something that came along early in the piece or is the, did that come along as you got older? Yeah, sort of 14, 15. Um, so I, I was studying pretty serious classical guitar uh, from the start of high school and I kept kept going with that till I was 18. Um, but the open tuning stuff I just found through people like Jeff Lang, I really love. Uh, Michael Hedges is a guitar player I love. Kelly Joe Phelps and just some people that were writing songs, playing guitar and just doing it solo, which is something that always attracted me. And, and the open tuning is a cool way to do that because it leaves a lot of room for sort of extra, extra things. Yeah, yeah. You just mentioned a couple of names there that I was thinking, ooh, I should reach out to them and get them on for a chat. Um, yeah. So you're also very percussive in your style that you play. Are you a drummer at all? No, I was, I was a very bad drummer in high school, as we all are. Um, but no, the percussive thing just kind of came out of experimenting and trial and error, and I'm still kind of learning it. Um, fortunately, I've been playing these guitars, which um, – happen to work really well for it on stage and this one is sort of specially reinforced for strength because i used to break a lot of them oh really but yeah it's always just trial and error with with anything that i'm doing or learning yeah yeah so i mean to accompany yourself the way you do uh is really cool you could be a, a one-man show essentially um what brought about the whole tapping and playing like a bass line and then tapping things on, on top. Do, do you remember a moment where you kind of went, oh, if I put my my other hand over here, I can get these notes. Uh, was there a, a point for you where that all sort of fell into place? Um, I can't remember. I can remember the period and I can't remember distinct moments, but certainly 
I was I was a YouTube teenager and just watching as many guitar players as I could on there. And I think at that time there was a lot of like Andy McKee had had just kind of started to get a bit of momentum and Don Ross and Anton Dufois and a guy called Justin King and they were doing these kind of more experimental open tuning percussive two hand tapping acoustic stuff. And I think I can't remember a song or moment, but through seeing what was potential, um, I kind of just sort of went to the instrument myself and tried to work some things out and, and, and see what I could do. Cool. Cool. Now you, you said you, you had your guitar um, reinforced somewhat. What have they, what have they done to it? Um, basically double. So uh, this, this is Cole Clark guitar. And I used to just get a lot of hairline fractures on there from, you know, that sort of uh, a guy named Carl, who's kind of the head custom guy in their factory, sort of made it a bit of a mission to build an indestructible guitar. And this one's basically the top that you'll see is doubled. So there's a second layer underneath with the grain going in the opposite direction. Cool. So it's kind of like plywood. Now, um, if there is a hairline crack, there's nothing, it can't break through because you've got the grain pushing against it in the other way. And um, it's played over a thousand shows now. It hasn't, hasn't broken, which is, which is impressive, I think. And is that a model that's available to, uh, to people if they were like, yeah, I need one of those because mine keeps falling apart? Yeah, 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 it's a it's a blackwood blackwood, which is what it's made out of, and just double tops, double sides. It would be cool. a custom order, and it's a bit more expensive because of the work that goes in. But you can order it from yeah. It. Do you notice a difference in tone with with having the the double layer, particularly with the, the grains opposing, like you were saying? Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was quite young and just learning about guitars, and I had a, a plywood guitar, and somebody a bit more knowledgeable than me bringing up that. Well, with plywood, you've got all these opposing grains, and the sound can't transfer, and it's sort of confusing the issue. It, mm-hmm. Is that something that that's a trade-off for you, or is that really not an issue? Um, acoustically, it is. So it is. It means that it's a lot quieter if I just play it around a campfire. Yep. Um, just because the sounds, as you say, it's got more wood to go through, so it's it's going to be quieter than say a Martin that's got a very thin top. Yep. Um, Plugged in, it's, I mean, this guitar is mostly made for me to play on stage. So plugged in, it's fine. And in some ways, it's probably even a little easier to amplify because you, you, you don't get some of those acoustic overtones that can swell sometimes on stage. And it's, it's a little bit more like just amplifying an electric guitar with pickups. So there's, there's pros and cons to it. But certainly yep. for what I'm doing on the road, it's, it's, it's amazing. And do you record with a different guitar? Um, Mixture. So anything percussive, I'll record on this just structurally. So yesterday we were doing a few different songs. Um, a few of them were on this guitar. I've got another Cole Clark that's a bit more of a finger picker. And then I've got a Martin D35 that we did some of the songs on too. So yeah, recording, as, as you know, it's just a case of getting it in front of the mic and seeing how it sounds and seeing if it, if it fits the song. Cool. So for um, any of the viewers who aren't familiar with your style, have you got a little piece that you might be able to play for us right now yeah. impromptu? Yeah? I'd lo- I'll just play Give us a little demo. Bit. Give us a little demo there. Thank you. 
Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Got the canned, canned applause there. Man, have you had to work on getting the strength in your fingers to be able to hammer on and get the notes to, to ring out? Is, is that something that you consciously had to work on? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely technique, like with the left hand, as you know, it's all about uh, like legato playing is about hammering on down and then pulling off hard. So you've got the energy in the string to keep going. Yeah. Um, and then with the right hand, yeah, there's certain, certain tricks you have to learn, like that type of thing just takes a while. You know, you can just sit at your desk and practice those things like that. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm always, you know, it's just so fun. Like I'm always discovering even like this, I do that as like a, you're always just discovering new things and, um, yeah, I, I love, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. So for me being an electric guy, and I, and I did mention to you that I don't even own an acoustic guitar, um, mainly because good ones are so expensive and I've got friends who have got really nice ones and I'll just borrow that if I need one for a recording date or something. But, um, it kind of makes sense to me that to play that style would be easier to do on an electric that just the hammer on stuff, maybe not so much the, the, yep. the, um, percussion of hitting the, the body of the guitar. Um, but you don't really play electric. Not very well. Like in, in high school, I was in a few dodgy bands. Um, yep. and, and there's some electric players that I really love, but I guess when I started touring, it was always with an acoustic because I was doing it solo and, you know, I've just spent 10 years just with an acoustic now that, uh, as you know, they're different instruments. So the electric feels very foreign to me. And I think one day I'd like to get back into it and just spend a lot of time, um, working on electric guitar and seeing if I can, you know, incorporate that into what I do. But at the moment, I'm still kind of trying to work this out. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of touring, when you are playing live, do you run through any uh, effects boxes or anything, or do you just go direct to front of house? Um, just, just a tuning pedal, uh, and an A, A, E, R, M. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, so that's a German made amp that's, specifically for an acoustic guitar and that kind of works as a as a really good preamp and and a fallback speaker yep um so i'll have it next to me on stage and it's just great to have that uh familiar sound with you every night um it's got a few effects i'll, I'll put my own reverb on it it compresses it in a little bit so it does make it easier to play um and yeah that's just what i take with me with me everywhere Ah, I was about to ask whether there was any compression or anything like that built into the amp, and it does. It yeah. does, yeah. Just, yeah. just, uh, just a little bit, yeah, yeah. Because um, I imagine that would make life a lot easier um, playing the style that you do to yeah. get the the smoothness. Now, how about pickup systems in your guitar? Um, now, everyone says it's different: piezo, piezo. That wouldn't pick up as well as having like a microphone type system in your guitar. I imagine you've experimented with different setups to see what works best with your style. What, what have you arrived at? Um, well, I'm pretty lucky that these, these guys are like pretty renowned for their pickups. So they were, they invented a pickup when they started the company and sort of based the guitar around that. And it's basically three, three different pickups coming out of the one out, output. And there is a piezo or I'm the same. I don't know how to say it properly, but, there is one of them, as most guitars have now, under there, and that's picking up the strings. Um, there's a microphone 
in the body, just picking up anything resonating inside the guitar and I can wind that in and out. But the best one for me is what they call the, the faceplate sensor, which is a strip that kind of goes on the inside underneath that. And I'm not that technical, so I don't actually know what it is. Um, but that's the thing that picks up my percussion. So it's basically like a vibration sensor and anything that's attached to the guitar and vibrating, it will pick out, pick up and come out the speakers. So this guitar is pretty amazing. You can wind up the faceplate sensor and like put it on the floor and then walk 10 feet and tap dance and it will come out the pickup. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So I've been very, I've just been very lucky that I kind of, I kind of stumbled across the guitar that, that worked for what I did. Nice, nice. You know, I, I think there is a um, an Australian acoustic guitar sound, and I think it's probably got to do something to do with the woods that we have here. But um, as I said, I don't own uh, a good acoustic guitar or an acoustic guitar, but I'll go to a friend's place who does have several, and he's got Cole Clarks, he's got Taylors, he might have like Takamini, something like that. And if I'm not looking and he picks up a, a guitar, I can tell when it's the Cole Clark. Um, and Maiton, to me, has a, a similar, very pronounced mid-range that cuts through. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's an Australian Tonewood thing. Have, have you played around with many Tonewoods and guitars in your acoustics? Um, yeah, I mean, through the relationship with these guys, I have tried tried the different ones. And it's probably... Um, probably two things that the woods are probably a big thing. Like there's guitars that are, there's woods that are used by Cole Clark and by Maiden that are not used by other companies. And the other thing is probably personnel. There's a lot of people that used to work at Maiden that now, you know, that go back and yeah, forth. Right. Yep. Similar design teams. And so probably both those things, yeah, end up being a, um, a unique sound. Cool. Cool. Now we were talking about the alternate tuning thing before. Uh, do you have one tuning that you use most of the time or is it different from, from song to song? Yeah, there's like, I've probably got like 15 tunings that are, that I've written songs in, but wow. On that the must be confusing. Like, do you, do you have a little, like little notes beside your, your set list or something to go, Oh, what do I tune for that one? <laughs> no, you, you're kind of thinking them as how they relate and, and step in and out of each other. Yeah. Um, so on any given night, I'll, like I've got main ones. So between open G, open D, dadgad and standard tuning, most of the songs will be in those four, or maybe five tunings each night. And then there's a few just random ones that will be used for one song. Okay. Um, that are a bit weirder, but yeah, I'd say five main, main tunings is what it and, is. And do you take multiple guitars out on the road with you? No, I, I only have one on on stage, and then I've got one other that I keep nearby just in case. But I've, yep. I haven't had to use it for years, fortunately. But yes, just one on on the on the stage. Cool, cool. So um, as I mentioned, I saw you on on True Fire doing uh, some some great instructional uh, material. Is teaching a, something that you do regularly, or was that just a, a one off thing? Yeah. Um, it's not something I'm very confident at um, or feel like I'm good at, but I'm, I'm always interested in teaching. I've often done workshops at festivals and I taught a bit as a private teacher towards the end of high school. Um, the True Fire thing kind of came up as a opportunity that I was a fan of their stuff and, and they'd, they'd asked me to do it. And 
um, it's a great experience. It's good to good to be involved in in that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, for, for those that don't know, I mean, True Fire's got some big people teaching on there. Mm. I remember watching the Steve Vai uh, one, and that was hours of him. And it wasn't so much him. I think he even said during it, oh, "If you came here wanting me to teach you scales and things, there's a thousand guys that can teach that better." If you want to learn the philosophy, my my philosophy behind playing and and these songs on this album, then let let's talk. Mm. Um, when you try and teach somebody your style of playing, where do you start? There's a few. I mean, I usually break it into two aspects: um, one being percussive guitar, and the other being two hand tapping, um, and teach them a few tunings, but. There's a simple exercise on each that I usually teach people. And basically with the percussive stuff, it's sort of like, I'll, I'll start by just giving them a simple beat, like one, two, three, four, one, two, and then get a few different sounds to three, four, one, two, and then putting like the left hand. And that's sort of, um, you can, you can take that home and, and add on it and, create your own sort of music with it. Yep. And then there's another, there's another one with the, with the tapping thing. And the tapping thing is just, as you know, you probably play a lot of tapping on, I on do. electric guitar and it's kind of just, you just got to do it a lot. And it seems like at some point it becomes, it goes from being very hard to becoming very easy at some point. So I think it's just the type of thing you got to do in front of the TV or, you know, do while you're, eating breakfast or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, when it comes to tapping, I mean, Eddie Van Halen was a, a big influence for me. So, um, in my soloing, I, I, I always, you know, for the longest time, I, I was much faster at tapping a lick rather than playing with my fingers. Um, but Satriani as well, when I was younger, I can remember playing a, a piece of his, uh, called midnight in high school for my, practical assessment which my teacher gave me a freaking d for and said oh that's not how you play guitar oh don't get me started i won a guitar competition on the coast the under 18 section of the best guitarist on the gold coast competition the next day and i took great right. delight in taking this fender strat that i'd won and just went yeah fucking d mate <laughs> but um that's that style of playing um my friend sammy bowler in the states is is really cool at that where he's, he does all these pieces and he started out playing piano and plays a lot of that, but it doesn't have the percussive element because he's doing it all on the electric, unlike mm -hmm. you. But you know, just watching you play before, and you were doing like some some left hand ghost note slap things on there. Do you play slap bass guitar? Not really. No. Really. I, I, I've, there's some techniques on this that I'll kind of do that stuff. Yeah. But, um, no, I just haven't had the opportunity to play bass, but I love it. Like I love, I've, I've, I've watched many like Victor Wooten videos where he's doing some cool stuff. And yep. um, I think it's a great, a great kind of expression. I, I ask that because to me, half of slap bass is that left hand slap thing. And I've got yep. friends of mine who um, are bass players, but they, they can't slap that well, but they, they do the thing where they, they're concentrating on their right hand and trying to get all this fast, you know, and trying to pop and stuff. And I'm like, dude, no, no, half of it's your left hand doing a, and it's like, and that's one thing I saw there. I thought, oh, I wonder when you pick up a bass whether you can pull out a few cool licks. 
I'd like to try. You like to try, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, man, um, I think you've got a you've got a tour coming up soon, if I'm not mistaken. I only know this because you you'll be playing down the road from me at where did I see? Was it Moe's Desert Clubhouse? Does that ring a bell for you? Yep. Yep. That's the- so have you got a, a big tour? Is that going to be promoting the album that you're currently working on? Tell us a little bit a little bit about the tour. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a pretty constant tour, tourer. So um, I was fortunate. I've, been, I've played 160 shows this year. Wow. I've been just so lucky to have woven in and out of all the lockdowns. And I was, you know, I've been to every state and territory somehow. And then I got to go to New Zealand and play like 50 shows just before they locked down. Um, but I do tour a lot. And so we've got 100 shows in Australia. Uh, 25 before Christmas, starting next week, um, kind of western New South Wales and into Victoria, and then up till the end of May, I think, all, all around Australia. So, yeah, starting Tassie, WA, NT, and then Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. So, yeah, there's there's 75 shows next year, and the Gold Coast will be, I think, end of February. I'm up there. Cool. I'll definitely come along and say good day. Yeah. Um, so when you're touring, do you tour with anybody else doing sound or anything for you? Or are you just a, a one-man touring machine? Um, n- not usually a sound person, but usually somebody, like a tour manager. They'll do merch. They'll help driving and, and organizing some stuff. Um, for many years, I, I did do it by myself. And I got a bit sick of myself. <laughs> yeah, so, I bet. Definitely one thing in the last few years has been to always take someone just just to make the experience more enjoyable, um, to have someone to, to bounce ideas off and share the, share the moments. And yeah, yeah it's a, it, but I do in general try to keep it quite simple and yep. um, I don't want to be taking heaps of people out, out on the road. Yeah, awesome. You know, when I, I posted uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, on my Facebook user group that um, – that you're coming on. There was somebody uh, from Canada that that saw you on there and said, "Man, I, I saw him. I'm not sure when you were in Canada, but he said, yeah, I, was, I saw him playing here and fantastic." So you do a bit overseas? Yeah, I mean, I was I lived in America um, for six years from really, to, yeah, up until the pandemic. Actually, I All was right. over there. I was over there touring last February, March, and then yeah, got out got out after the tour and haven't been back since but i've been touring in canada since i was 18 so i've probably been there 20 20 times or something wow yeah very lucky Uh, around everywhere around america as you know there's just so many places to play and um it looks like the second half of next year i'll be able to get back over and and keep keep doing the international stuff which i'm excited for cool cool now if people want to check out your music is it available to to buy online anyway yeah um i mean the website's a good place but obviously everyone's got their own way of getting music now so wherever they're they're into if it's spotify if it's youtube it'll be on there so cool so um where what's your website Uh, danielchampagnemusic.com okay okay um someone has just said that they're in canada and they've seen you five times so ian edwards you got a bit of a fan there in ian uh, so I'm just, if anybody is watching, you've got questions for Daniel, I do have an eye on the chat rooms there. So feel free to ask some questions because it's such a unique style. 
Um, be great to to field some questions from folks. Let me see. Strings. Is there any particular string that you like to use on your machines there? I use the Adario EJ. Is it EJ 16s? EJ. Basically, they're 12 to 54s. Diodario. I think they're the most standard kind of common string and I just use I just got used to using them and have kept kept doing that. Yeah. And, and do you find um, string gauge affects how well uh, the, the whole hammer on thing works? Like is there a, do you prefer to go lighter, heavier? You experimented much with that? Yeah, I mean it's certainly the lighter they are, the easier it will be to, to play. Um, but it's a bit of a compromise because I use a lot of tunings that go quite low like that one is a C at the moment and yeah, sometimes right. go down to a B really I should I should probably really use some like a 13 like something a bit thicker but as you know like when you play every day it hurts hurts the fingers so this is kind of the the medium that I've I've grown used to playing sure and you don't use a pick or anything no thumb picks or I do I, do. I use um that often like i've taken on and off depending on the song but yep. um, yeah i use it on stage for some reason I, I don't really know why it it works on stage but not in the studio in the studio i'll always just use my thumb but, oh really yeah that and there's there's a bit of kind of solo runs that i'll i'll use that for yep awesome now um when you are in the studio are you plugging in your, your guitar, you're miking up, or your combination of both. What's your preference in getting a good sound? Mostly, mostly just miking. Yep. Um, sometimes if, it, if it's like a more percussive, intense song, then we'll use the amp as well. So we'll put the amp in another room and, and mic that. But I'm, I'm, to be honest, like I'm very untechnical and I'm, I'm always putting my faith in whoever I'm working with. So... If um, the engineer I'm working at the moment is Kaya Gosner, if he says I think we should do it this way, then I'm I'm happy to to trust his his judgment. Cool, cool. Now, one thing we haven't really spoken about is you are a a singer songwriter as well. Uh, we've been talking about your guitar playing. Did you start singing right from the beginning, or is that something later on you thought oh, I better start singing if I'm going to be out playing by myself or is it one of those things where these songs just had to get out you couldn't imagine anybody else singing them um I, like i always liked i went to a primary school that was very like we'd sing every morning and you know we'd, we'd do different performances with, with singing and i always enjoyed just singing in choirs and on my own like that but the singing and the guitar playing were quite separate until i was in high school probably where I wanted to play guitar, but everyone that was making, wanting to make bands wanted a singer as well. Like no one wanted to be the singer. So oh, really? if I could play and sing, then, then that, that seemed to work. And then I started to write my own songs and that just seemed the natural way to, to get them out there. And yeah, now, now I just feel very, very comfortable doing both and I probably enjoy them both equally. And, um, Hang on, I was just about to write something down there and completely uh, confuse myself. ADD. I have ADD. I was recently diagnosed with that and I can get easily distracted. Um, I see that on social media you uh, you post yourself playing little pieces. Um, 
is that something you find a, a hindrance to try and keep up with in this day and age? I said to you before we went on, on air that uh, guitar player Larry Mitchell over in, I think he's based in New York, was saying in this day and age, uh, you've got to become a, a TV presenter and producer as, as well you know, without the, the record company backing now and it's just expected. Are you completely on top of the social media thing or is it something that every few days you're like, oh, I've, I haven't posted, I better get onto that? Um. I, I certainly enjoy it. Like I really, I really enjoy it. And I think that's about looking at it in the right way of um, just trying to connect with people rather than promote yourself. Yep. Um, and I, I don't think like sometimes I'll post a lot if there's a lot going on, but if there's not a lot going on, then I'm happy to, to leave it for a little while. Um, I do try and stick to a daily live stream on Facebook. Like I'll do 20 minute, live stream um i call it the connection sessions and that's just a good i started doing that in covid as just a bit of a routine thing and it just turned into a good way to connect with people that were that were really into the music obviously a lot of people can't tune in every day but there's a core audience that that will and it let me try out new songs or let me revisit old songs that i hadn't played for a while learn some covers um but in general yeah i think I don't take it super seriously, but I, I do enjoy the social media. Aspect. Cool. Because some people spend so much time doing that. I've got a friend that just constantly, because he's got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you know, constantly trying to keep on top of that, whereas other people have people doing that for them. <laughs> uh, what You mentioned you've got a Facebook page. Is that Daniel Champagne Music? Or- yep. Yep. Yeah. Are you on Instagram as well, Twitter, anything else like that? Yeah, uh, just Instagram. Um, just Instagram. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I haven't done Twitter. That's Twitter or TikTok. Kind of not my thing. But yeah, Facebook, I don't get Instagram. the whole TikTok thing. I tried. People were yeah. telling me, "Oh, but you know, there's these good guitar players, and then then the players they're showing me. I was like, um, that's pretty average compared to some of the guys that are on on Insta." Do you right. ever see guys on Instagram and the like and just go, oh, my God, look at what that guy's doing? All the time. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's, and it's a great – I think it's a great community, just like people. I just love the fact that somebody can come up with a really cool riff in their bedroom and put it out and it can reach so many people. Yeah, but I'm, I'm constantly – I mean, as you know, there's so many good, good guitar players out there. And it's it's amazing to just I'm always blown away. Yeah, every day. Yeah, you don't feel any pressure to try and keep up with the Joneses. I, I know um, Matteo Sassato, uh, great Brazilian guitar player, had to take a, a break from social media for a good six months or so, just because he said he was just obsessing about trying to get that perfect one minute video to to post mm-hmm. and. Um, I think Tom Quayle had a little break from it recently as well because he was he was saying the same thing. It was just like, oh man, it's just the pressure of trying to keep up with the Joneses. Do you feel that at all? Um, not not so much because it's not my main thing's touring. So touring is always kind of the the bread and butter and what I love doing the most and what what pays the bills. And social media is always just kind of supplementing that and keeping connected and doing it on the side. But I, I totally understand because I know some guitar players that are, that's their thing. And they're posting videos every day, twice a day, 
20 stories and I can totally imagine that um, becoming becoming a lot. Yeah, yeah, an obsession and forgetting about actually taking the time just to write a song that doesn't fit within that one-minute constraint and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. When, which brings me to, to, to writing. Uh, we, we started talk, talking about that before. When you've got an album to make, do you sit down and go, all right, I better write some songs? Or is songs for you just something that you're constantly – you'll be walking down the street and, and hear something in your head and go, oh, what's that? Oh, it's some new melody I've come up with. How do you approach it? Yeah, usually it's um, – there's two parts for me. There's kind of the collection of ideas and that will usually happen when I'm busy on the road touring and I don't ne necessarily have time to write full songs but every now and then, whether it's at soundcheck, whether it's late night in a hotel room or on an aeroplane, just different ideas will come in to my head or into mm -hmm. the hands and I'll record them and I've just got like a million – of those phone recordings that I'll put in a, in a file. And then when I do get a break from the road, whether it's a week off or, or a couple of months, then I'll be able to transfer the energy that I was spending on touring into fleshing out those songs a bit more. So I think writing for me has always been those, those two components of the, the initial inspiration and idea for something. And then the, the work you have to put in to, to craft it into something real. Yeah. And when you are writing songs, do you come up with something and, and think to yourself, oh, I, I, better, I better write some vocals to go with this, or if something just sounds fine on its own as an instrumental, you quite content to just let it be instrumental? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've always, like, on this album I'm making at the moment, I think there's two two, maybe three instrumentals. Yep. Um, but that will become apparent um, from the start sort of thing. And and the general thing is often like the, the thing that will end up being an instrumental is just a bit too busy to have anything else on it. And, yep. and if, if it works as it is, then then that's, that's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think whether it needs vocals comes, comes at the start. Have you ever written something where – you're playing something and you've got this vocal melody in your head and you're just going, oh, yeah, this is how it goes. But you just can't physically play it and sing it at the same time. Has that ever happened? Yeah. Um, I think eventually, like through lots of practice, um, you'll probably get there. But there's a song at the moment that I'm finding really difficult to to play and sing. Um, I was trying to do it yesterday, actually. Yeah. And I think it's just the vocal part's so different to the guitar part. Um, but I think it just comes down to practice. Usually I think if something's hard, it just means that it's hard and you've got to spend the time and energy on it. And so I think that's what I've got to do with this particular song. Okay. Now, talking about spending time and energy on something, is there an aspect of your playing that you uh, are constantly thinking, oh, man, I need to raise the game on, on this side of things? Anything spring to mind for you? Um, I'm always trying to find new things like i'm always interested in 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 the next thing for me to discover um but certainly i th i think for some reason it does get harder for me to so, so i've I, I would put my songs into two baskets one of them being guitar based songs that have interesting guitars and usually vocals over the top 
and the other one being more just traditional songs. I'm, I'm just strumming or finger picking. And I've, I think through the years it, it has got a bit harder for me to write the guitar based songs just because it's often the case that you write this complex guitar thing for the vocal and then realize that it sounds better when you just do the guitar part really simply. Yep. Um, so that's, that's something I've noticed over the years. Um, but, and obviously I'm, I'm always trying to get a little bit better and a little bit tighter and I make a lot of mistakes every night on stage. So I always trying to get that down. <laughs> cool. Daniel, you got uh, something else that you might be able to play for us, mate. I'll, 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 round, I'll round things up shortly. I just want to—I want to hear another song out of you. Is that, yeah. is that okay? I'll play a little. Um... Entertain us. Yeah, I'll play. The friend, I see only fear in your eyes. I feel it living in disguise and I know that you don't really ever want to say why like a runaway train left in the night the dreams stay naked in the headlights the memories that wake you right it feels like all I could ever be is falling by my front door and it's the same enemy trying to keep our hearts from wanting more mm. Mm. so much easier way back when we could chase whatever we tried to pretend but we worked so hard to defend my mistake only hope this moment for so long the time's running sweet Peter along and by the time we look back it's already gone away it feels like all i could ever be is flying by my front door and it's the same enemy trying to keep our hearts from one more all i could ever be Flying by my front door and it's the same enemy. Just trying to keep our hearts from wanting more. Like that. <laughs> Beautiful, mate. Thank you so much. That's great. Thank you. Daniel, thank you so much for your time, mate. I'm definitely going to come and say g'day when you're up here uh, on, on the Gold Coast. Uh, I'll, I'll wear my little hat so you recognize me and go, hey, I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so on behalf of everybody that's watching, I want to say thank you. And folks, like, subscribe, all the good stuff. Check out Daniel on social media or if he comes to a town near you. You got tour dates on your website? Yep. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. So um, are you going overseas anytime soon? It's a quite weird question at this time with yeah. the pandemic and everything, isn't it? Nothing planned to take it. Uh, July, August next year, I'll be in America. And then se September, October, I'll be in Canada. And November, December, I'll be back in New Zealand. Awesome. Awesome. So, folks, check out Daniel. Check out his website for tour dates, etc. And once again, want to say thank you. And see you guys. See you, Daniel. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Rick.